everybody. Welcome to the Classic Gaming Podcast. Thanks to Alone in the Chaos for our intro music, as always. Today's date is February 12th, 2014. Uh, I'm your host, Robert Ring. And over in Colorado uh, is Blake Corey. And Blake, uh, I think I'm practically in Colorado right now, or else you would think I was if you looked out my window, because it's actually snowing like crazy here at the moment. And I know it's weird. We I've been hearing about so many people... Like all over the rest of the U.S. that have been getting so much snow, and it's like, yeah, it's cold here, but we haven't gotten snow in a week. Oh, really? Yeah, that's crazy. It sucks. Well, we got some snow tonight. It, it came down really hard. We got like, there's probably like four inches for over just like an hour or two of snow. But uh, what so is snow? Crazy. I'm sorry, I live in a state where we don't. Yeah, all right, snow. so. <laughs> So, I'll introduce Jay, our our other podcaster. Um, Jay, you live in Arizona, so you have sand. You know the yes. you know sand. Imagine sand that's really cold, yeah, and that's, that's it falls from the sky. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. That's what snow is. <laughs> do you do you like run through it or you run through it? You <laughs> run around in it. You can eat it. Oh, do you build sandmen? Like, but with this other material? You can build a sand, yeah, you can build a Sandman, but it's out of snow. It's called a Snow Sandman. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And you can do, like, you can uh, you can have, like, do you all have sandball fights? Um, where you get, yes, where you I get know. Sand and, yeah, we have snowball, <laughs> snow sandball fights. It's, it's too like, close it's, to a racial slur, I think. It's just, <laughs> like, it's just like a snow sandball. It's just like a sandball, but it's made out of snow. Uh, um, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. <laughs> so... Let's get started, I guess. We'll talk about some news first. We have a few news items this time. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but there's... We've talked about the... Uh, I can't even remember what the name of the system is. The Ret- Retron 5, I think, that's yeah. coming out. There's another... Another company's making another system similar uh, that's supposed to come out. Uh, Polygon reported that um, their system is supposed to come out mid to late March. It, it looks like it doesn't. Well, it doesn't play as many games as the Retron Five, or or what? Or I think it's maybe the Ret. I don't know. It's I think it's the Retron Ten, maybe. But anyway, whatever that one is. This one is. Uh, it's the Super. It's it's made by Retro. Uh, Retro Bit. It's the Super Retro Trio. Okay. It plays Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and Sega Genesis. That's kind of cool. So yeah, pretty cool. Uh, it's been done before, of course, but I I don't, I don't know exactly what they're trying to do, different or better, or if they're just offering another option or what, but. This is coming out in March. Um, I, I guess that's pretty much all there is to say about that one. We have we, we do have some Mighty Number no. Nine news, which we've been talking about occasionally on the podcast. So Mighty Number no. Nine, if you haven't listened to some of our other episodes and you haven't heard about it, is a uh, it's a game being funded or it, it was funded on Kickstarter and it's in development right now. And it's basically a uh, successor to Mega Man. It's made by the same guy who uh, who made who is who is the I guess the director of the Mega Man games, and uh, there's going to be they're already working on a live action. Uh, it looks like like a web series based, based on around it. That's kind of cool. Based on Mighty Number no. Nine. So I mean, yes. Saying it, it sounds cool. If you think about it, it's, it's really kind of frightening because I don't know how you can pull something like this off. Is it is nobody a part of it that's previously like? Is it a, basically like a replica? Just like imagine live action Mega Man, Ooh. like in, and trying to not make that seem cheesy. There actually somebody did make there 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 is an independent movie. Some guy did make a, a live action Mega Man like indie movie, and it actually worked pretty well. 
Um, I'll try, I don't remember the name of it. I'll try to find it and put it in the uh, show notes on the website okay. uh, if I can. But so it can be done. But it seems like there are you got to be really careful when you're doing something like that. Have you guys? Have you guys heard? Either of y'all heard about mm-hmm. this? No. No. Sorry. Does it sound particular? Does it sound as dangerous to you as it does to me? Or am I just being pessimistic? Uh, no, I, I think you're. No, I think you're accurate. I mean, most of the time, live action stuff that's based on something else is usually pretty bad. I want to say, like for the most part. So I mean, I can definitely see it, but it just. I, I guess I don't know much about Mighty Number no. Nine, so. Yeah, I can't really think of um, any live-action adaptations that lived up to their source. Oh, you talking about for games or yeah, like? I, I, well, there's a couple animes that I, that came out pretty good. <laughs> That's really? all I can think of. Yeah, but huh. games-wise, I'm trying to think. Yeah, like uh, the next thing I could sound. think of was like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, <laughs> those were awesome. I love those movies. Right. Those, those were good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, oh, you're saying? Oh, you're saying they were good? Yeah, those are the. (laughs) What? I can't. The only other ones I can think of are like the Mario movie. I was thinking of um, exactly. I was thinking of Final Fantasy VII, the movie. Well, that wasn't. Well, that was that wasn't a live action though. Is that not considered like? Oh, because live action means literal, like yeah, like actually. I mean, like there's looked like live action, but it was but it wasn't actually live action. Um. What else has there been? I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think. If there's anything else that's been like that? There, well, there was Doom. <laughs> that's pretty terrible. That's yeah. pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't there a Double Dragons movie? <laughs> oh, Mortal Kombat! Mortal Kombat! I to see that. And Mortal Kombat. Was I Jean Claude Van Damme was in it. If if so. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> well, there's your vote. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, okay. So, other news. Um, I just I just lost my place on my notes okay. here. Oh, okay. So, unsung story uh, is a, we, we've been talking about this one a little bit. Uh, did wait? Actually, no, Blake. You're the one. You, you you talk about unsung story. What's what's the news with this that you, that you were talking about earlier? Well, originally, it everything made it sound like uh, Matsuno, the man behind uh, things like Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics Ogre, Vagrant <laughs> Story. <laughs> it sounded like he was going to play a very big yeah. In the development, but I've heard like a not even kidding about a dozen different stories about the truth of Unsung Story, and it kind of sounds like Matsuno is only going to be consulting. I heard one story. I heard a version where all he did was kind of oversee the beginning of the game, the pitch for it, basically. Um, I've heard stories that he's going to be consulting as development happens and all this other stuff. How much money have they gotten so far? I haven't checked back. Um, I just checked. With 45 hours to go, they have $545,000. Holy shit. So they are $55,000 short of the goal. They're probably going to hit it at this rate. You think they will? I'm, In 48 I'm, hours? I'm giving them a 50-50 chance right now. Yeah. It's climbed a lot in the last couple days. It has. It, it has. Because I checked it... Uh, like about two days ago. Yeah, it was. It had a waste to go. Yeah, Can yeah, you link exactly. it to me, please? It skyrocketed, which is no surprise. That's what happens with most Kickstarters. But considering how good of a start this had, it got like three hundred thousand in the first day. Yeah, I remember that. That's shocking to see it not already funded. Yeah, you don't see Kickstarters get a huge surge right at the beginning, and then just like, and then not get funded or barely get funded. Yeah. So this has been kind of a weird thing. 
Well, they've they finally did release some more details on some of the combat, the gameplay, and stuff. Um, don't want to get into that too much. There, you can check their Kickstarter page for all that stuff. It looks pretty cool, but then like the the other problem that a lot of people are having is that um, the developer company doesn't have a real history of doing anything aside from like mobile games stuff for Android and iOS. So people are kind of questioning uh-huh. it. Yeah, people are really, really wary about. No, yeah, it makes sense. I, I'd be the same way. I'm very skeptical about Kickstarters, to be honest. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I think if this if this had happened like a year ago and people were a little bit less kind of wary of, of what they're trying to back, of what they back on Kickstarter because you or know like, like a, a year ago, ago, yeah, a year, yeah, even like six months ago, people were a lot less skeptical of, of Kickstarters. And then we saw stuff start to you know that stuff that got funded like end up just like falling it's through basically out, yeah. or you know various bad things happening. So people are a little bit more careful now. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether this gets funded. But So, Blake, you think it's going to be, you, you feel pretty strongly that it's going to get funded? You would, think? You, would you like to place a wager on it? Um, yeah, you want to? Um, what kind of a wager? It's something decent, like five, ten bucks, nothing crazy. Nothing's um, gonna, it's all Robert's drinking money, if you want to do it that way. If, <laughs> if Jay wins, you have to buy him a copy of Metal Gear Solid. Oh, I won't play it! <laughs> How about this? The the winner has to buy the other person unsung story when it comes out. If you don't, if you didn't already pre order, is it? It's, so it's, if it doesn't come out, then what? <laughs> then I give you a hand job. I don't know. <laughs> What's comparable? I'll buy you Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> yeah, I don't have enough copies Next of that. Best. Oh god! All right, well, you guys get that sorted out, and <laughs> we can return to that. Can I rage now? Is it time to rage? It's time to rage. Is it time yeah. to rage? No, 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 hold on, hold on, okay. hold on. Okay. Hey, calm down. Everybody just calm down. Sorry, I've been waiting all week to rage. <laughs> we got two more things. Oh, my God. Uh, Final Fantasy VI came out on iOS. Um, and I, I haven't played it. I don't. Neither of you guys have played it, I assume, right? Not the new one. The old one. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, the iOS version, okay. right? Um, yeah, you, you've played the original. I haven't played the original or iOS. Um, I, I've read some reviews. It seems like... Overall, it's pretty good, and it doesn't seem to have any of the huge flaws that the that the I guess the Android one had that you guys were talking about last time. Yeah. However, it does have these like cheesy updated graphics, which sucks. Yeah. Um. So, it seems like the game is intact and and and, and playable, and they didn't mess with the mechanics or anything like that. But it like they it, it's like they bear it's like they upgraded the, the graphics just a little bit to where it seems like. You know, if you just keep the old graphics, and there was, even though it's like an older graphic style, there's a lot of love that went into it, and they 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 use the style very well. And now it's just kind of like looks like a stock RPG, so that's kind of a shame. But anyway, Final Fantasy VI is out on iOS. Uh, I believe it's fifteen dollars right now. And the other thing is there's a there's currently a humble bundle going on right now. It's the Sid Meier bundle. Um, and I'll pull it up and see how much longer it has. I think it'll still be going by the time this podcast is out. So it's got five days left, so by the time you hear this, uh, depending on when I get it up, it's not going to have much time left. But there, but there's a Sid Meier bundle on Humble Bundle, and uh, I guess for really technically only one of the games on there is a classic game, but it's got Civ 3, uh, Complete Edition, Civ 4, Complete Edition, and then a few other random Sid Meier games. Uh, 
And then if you and then if you like pay above the average, then you get Civ Five and like tons of Civ Five DLC. Oh, as well as Sid Meier's Pirates and then some soundtracks. Yeah. So, um, the Civ games, if if you want to check out any of them, really, now's the time to do it. Especially if you're interested in just three or three and or four, you can pick them up for you know pay what you want as long as I, th- I think the minimum is a dollar. Or sometimes you can even pay less than a dollar, and then it's a minimum of a dollar just to get the Steam a Steam code for it. Um, are you guys very big Steam fans, uh, uh, Civ, Civilization fans? No, actually, I'm a big RTS fan, and I actually haven't played Civilization. I watch a lot of streams of it, but I don't play it. I, I probably should, actually. I really like RTSs. Blake? Um, I only ever really played one of them, and it was so long ago that I don't know, I don't remember anything about it. I want to try to play Civ Five sometime. It seems like it could be a lot of fun, but I never have. I And, and, and I, I should clarify, it's actually not technically an RTS, because um, it's not real-time. Yeah, it's it, a turn-based strategy. Yeah, it's a turn-based. It's, it's a 4X is what they call the Civilization games. It's a... Uh, I, I, and I, I, I could be getting it wrong, but I, I believe it's 4X. It's expand... Uh, ex- explore, expand, and I want to say exterminate and extract, but I could be wrong on those last two. Huh. I have uh, heard the term 4X. I never knew what it stood for, though. Yeah, it's something like that. So anyway, the point is you're, 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 you're building your civilization, you're expanding, you're exploring the, the world around you, and then you're, you're killing off anybody else, all the other civilizations, and... I think the other, I think the the fourth X is extract because you also have to extract, uh, you know, like the the minerals, minerals. and all that gold and all that shit from the from the earth. I could be wrong with the terminology, but anyway, it's it's considered a four S four X game, uh, and it is a turn based game. So anyway, uh, I played Civ Five recently, and I think I may have just not been in a civilization mood when I played it because I played it for like an hour and, and then I haven't played it since. I was like, eh, I'm done. But uh, check it out, humblebundle.com if you want to pick those up. Um, and then, so the last piece of news is we're just gonna we're gonna segue into Jay's. Jay's, did is this you played? I know you this the one game that you played. Did you play any others or was no? No, this is not my game. This is I I, I did not play it for very long. Okay, okay, well, but you want to talk about it, right? Yeah, this is like so. the last piece of news is that Dungeon Keeper or a sort of remake of Dungeon Keeper came out on iOS. Uh, much to the ch- chagrin of many a Dungeon Keeper fan, and Jay has played Dungeon Keeper, the new iOS version, and Jay, let's hear about it. So here's the best way to describe it. I'm actually quoting somebody else, because there's I'm reading, I have three different articles in front of me. All three of them are like just priceless. Here is the pr- best way to describe it. So I don't where's, know. This, where's this? Uh, is this, a, this is a, rev- a review? Yeah, there's a review, and then there's like a couple of things. Like So this guy says, what we have here is the oh, shell. Oh, what's up? Wait. Oh, what 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 site is this from? Just so we know. Uh, Eurogamer.net. Okay. Um, this guy says what we have here is a shell of Bullfrog's pioneering strategy game hollowed out and filled up with what is essentially a beat for beat clone of Clash of Clans. So, first thing, it sucks. It's not the same thing. It's not the it's not the game that I grew up loving. Dungeon Keepers is an RTS game. It's an overview. It's really really neat for its time. It's made by Bullfrog, um, an Australian company. So, essentially, what, what's going on with this is EA, known for being just a great company, and I mean great, sarcastically, has basically taken a game from a lot of people's childhood and just ruined it and made it into this money-sucking machine. Not only is it not Dungeon Keepers, where you basically create different buildings to attract creatures to your dungeon, now you have to pay money in order to get creatures to come to your dungeon. 
So it's it's not free to play; it's pay to play. So you essentially have to pay money in order to play the game. And here's so that's a so that's a core mechanic of the game. By yes, the way, like, it's like the only mechanic. And then there's an article that I read on a website called GameIndustry.biz, and the title is "EA filtering out less than five star reviews of Dungeon Keeper on Android." And I I noticed this myself because my review went bye bye. Um, basically, oh, really? if you, yeah, if you posted a review on there that was less than five stars, they just removed it. <laughs> I did it twice just to make sure, and it, they're both gone. So, um, so they, how do you even how do you even do how do you remove? Or I, I don't know. I don't. But my mine's gone. So um, that's or remove it by having money. Yeah, by by being EA. But okay. essentially, they ruined this game. And then when people were complaining about what they don't like about it, EA is not only ignoring them but removing it and saying, you know what. We don't want to hear it, and we're going to make it look like it's a lot better than it is. That's only two wow. out of three bad things about this game. Here's the best one. This is this is the, the kicker with it. So when I, when I downloaded the game, I was super excited, because it, it, it came out for iOS before it came out for Android. So I was really pissed off, because I don't have an iPhone or anything. But um, it came out for iOS, or sorry, for Android. I downloaded it, I installed it, I started playing it, I played it for like an hour, and I was like, this is shit. This is not Dungeon Keeper's. This is stupid. This is not the same thing. So I was like, all right, whatever. So here's the thing. When you sign, when you play the game, you have to log in using an email address. Well, the next morning, I get three emails from them talking about come play the game, come spend money, this and that. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I, I'm, I played the game for like a day. Well, I got four emails in one day from them. And here's oh the best God. part. If you want to take a look at this image. So when you go to their website... To, when you sign up for it, it's in English. So you sign up in English saying, hey, I really want to play this game. Here's my email address. But in order to unsubscribe for their email, you have to know German because the unsubscribe <laughs> is in German. So you can't unsubscribe <laughs> unless you know fucking German. I like, heard about that. Holy crap. Like, I was so mad. I could not believe it. Like, I was like, I hate this game. I never want to hear about it again. And they spam me with email. German emails, that's the worst kind. Holy shit, man. It was so bad. And the game is... The graphics are great. They're very cartoony. Of course, it looks good. The system works great. It doesn't crash, all that kind of stuff. But it's not the same game. It's not even a good game. You have to dump money into it. It's so... so this upsetting. would be like the equivalent of like if you were playing StarCraft or something like that. Like Instead of having drones, you have microtransactions to build yeah. units. Yeah, it's like, oh, I, I need to build a drone. Oh, okay, I need to spend like 30 cents or something. It, it's so unbelievably bad. I was so sad because this is like one of my freaking childhood games. And I love Bullfrog. Like I have loved Bullfrog since I was a kid. And to see one of their prime games just completely gutted like this, it's just... Ah, uh, just makes me so mad. And so sad at the same time. I don't know. So, so did you did you make any transactions? No, hell no, I never do. No, I never play games that are paid to do stuff. I'm sorry, it's just not me. I don't either. Well, I, I take it back. I have done that on... Yeah, you and I both have done that on League of Legends. Yeah, yeah sorry, I meant like apps on phones and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, thing, the other thing is, I'm scared. I'd be terrified to give them money. Because here's the thing. Who says they don't charge my debit card $2,000 and go, do you speak German? What? Like, <laughs> you gave us a four star review. We're not paying you. They write in German on the yeah. on the purchase button. Oh, God. <laughs> how, it's much, just, how much money it is? It's just so bad. And, and like three things: it's bad. You can't downvote it, and you can't get unsubscribed from their email. It's just brutal. It's so sad. Sad day, man. Well, that pretty much sucks. Yeah, it sucks my nuts. That's that's verdict right there. 
Um, so did you play another game? Oh, yeah, do you want to do you want to transition to another game? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Let's 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 do your All right, Blake. You jerk, I beat you to it. I played Secret of Evermore this week. <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> nice. games. Did you play it too? Please don't tell me you played it. No, I didn't. Okay. Play. Secret of Evermore, one of my favorite games of all time. I've probably played through it 30 or 40 times in my entire life. Secret of Evermore is made by Squaresoft during their peak in the mid 90s, I think, probably early 90s. Um, it's, um, I want to say mid. I think yeah, it was around 94. Yeah, it was during their, their their prime time of making games. But Secret of Evermore is uh, it has nothing to do with Secret of Mana or any of those, really. Um, but it's an action RPG. You basically start out as a kid, um, and the combat system is pretty pretty cool. You basically have your life bar, and then um, your your attack. You can basically attack anytime you want, but it does more damage based on how long you wait. And there's like some strategy to it and stuff like that. Uh, but in addition to that, you have a dog that comes with you at all times. And there's some really kind of unique Squaresoft mid-90s humor on this. Like, I, I know you've probably seen this in a lot of other games during that time. But, like, they just had, like, this really odd kind of humor during during this time of RPGs. I don't know why. Yeah. Like... <laughs> they worked long hours, so I think they kind of <laughs> lost their minds a little bit. Did a lot of drugs, worked long hours. <laughs> But um, the humor of the game is really funny. There's some really interesting one-liners, and the main character references a lot of like shows that don't exist but sound like they could kind of exist in our world and just does different things like that. But one, my favorite thing about this game, like as far as humor goes, is throughout the game, randomly your dog changes. So when you start the game, you're in a swamp, and your dog is this vicious caveman-looking beast. And then you get to the second zone, and he's like this super skinny... Almost looks like a racing dog. He's white. He looks Persian. And then in the next zone, he's a, a pink poodle. And it's like kind of like this weird kind of time. And then in the last world, he turns into a toaster with legs. And he shoots lasers from his eyes. And it's just like really, really bizarre. Like it's This just, game sounds amazing. <laughs> Secret of Armor is, is um, an amazing game. My favorite thing about this game is the bosses in combination with the alchemy. Um, in the game, your dog, you can set him to either go search for ingredients, or you can tell him to attack. During the game, he'll randomly just start sniffing the ground, and you can basically follow him, pick up ingredients, and then you can combine ingredients to cast spells, and the spells get stronger the more they use them, blah, 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 blah. Um, Alchemy is really fun, especially if it's your first time playing, because you get to try different spells, and you get to do different things. And um, the boss fights are really, really fun. Um, There's only, like, I think, like, six or eight major bosses in this game. But each one has a very unique strategy to it, at least in my eyes, um, of, how, of how to beat it. And, and they're, they're pretty darn hard. Like I actually, had, I actually died a couple times, even on the very first boss. Uh, Thrax, I think his name is. But I died um, quite a few times doing it. And um, I'm trying to think what else is, is really, really... It's funny, my, one of my... We're, we're doing our later th- our thing later, and actually one of them is, is actually Secret of Evermore. Oh, like, nice. <laughs> There's okay. some good ones in that game, now that you mention it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was like playing through, and I'm like, man, there's some really good secrets in this. And then I was like, yeah. Try if there's anything else about Secret Armor that really pulls people. When was the last time you played it? Um, uh, Quite a few years ago now. Probably three or four, maybe? Yeah. Maybe more? It's, it's been about, a while. It's about, it's about time. Yeah, it is. It really is. One of the cool things about this game... Uh, do you know who did the music for it? No. It's Jeremy Soule, the guy that did the Elder Scrolls music. No way, really? Yep. The music in that game... I'm tr- oh, yeah, there was some really good music. I'm trying to think. There, when, you, when people... Did, when you discover bizarre things... Like, I'm trying to think what other kind of music was really in it, though. 
Oh yeah, like I guess there was a lot of different kind of music. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like it's um, that was when the, in the era when I didn't know that I was listening to the music in a game, so I didn't really appreciate it as much. Yeah. So I really want to go back and pay attention to it sometime and really so, uh, get a better appreciation of what I'm listening to in it. What console was this? Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. Okay. Yes. It, it's easily my top favorite games. The music is, is good. I'm starting to think of some of the music I really like from it. Um, but it's definitely not my top. Like, there's, you know, we obviously talked about the music in certain games just being amazing, like Final Fantasy Tactics. Like, Final Fantasy Tactics gives me chills, the music yeah. in that game. Secret of it's, it's definitely good. It's good, but it never was like, oh my god, this is the best part about this game, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, and the story, I mean, the thing is, the story with it, it's it's a 90s RPG, so it's very level one, just kind of, you know, you're randomly here, and it, it, actually, you know what, the intro to it is very comical, though. I always really enjoy watching the intro for it. It's it's very different, basically, it's like a, a 19, it almost looks like the 1950s or 60s, but I think it's supposed to be a lot later, and, uh, the, yeah. and the dog... No, and the, I don't know. Yeah, because you know, like the I movie mean, the theater whole and stuff. Thing is very themed around like older American culture. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes me think. Like, I'm trying to think what what exact year it is. But essentially, it starts out in the boy and his dog, which they don't have names. You get to name them yourself. They basically come out of a movie theater, and the dog chases after a cat and runs into this old building. And so the boy follows him in the building and gets teleported back in time. And like that's basically how it starts. But like they just they just interject like these really interesting funny one-liners that it's it's really bizarre to me because i really wonder what the translations were like from Jap- japan to here because well, it, the game originally it was a nintendo or a square america game it wasn't oh, made was it? In, okay yeah it wasn't made in japan okay. it was specifically square that makes america more sense was like we want to make a game for the american audience they gathered up all sorts of people um american workers programmers writers etc and specifically try to make a game to succeed over here in the states to kind of they succeeded make a name for themselves here or something yeah cuz which it, is why it's so so accurate yeah, yeah exactly like cuz i was like man if if i was translating that like how do you reference certain things you know it's <laughs> like i i was curious like what the original what the original lines were but it's it's definitely a very enjoyable game um i would definitely recommend it especially if you're not a big fan of turn-based rpgs but you like the 90s rpgs this is a great game. This is a very unique game. It's it's one of a kind. I mean, that's that's the best way I can really put it with it. You had me at Toaster Dog. Yeah, Toaster Dog is legit, <laughs> but he kicks ass. And when you're sitting still, Toast shoots out of his back. And he shoots lasers awesome. out of his eyes. He is a beast. It's, that's amazing. Yeah. So you probably haven't heard, since you didn't know it was Square America, you probably haven't heard some of the theories behind the game, have you? No, what do you mean by theories? Like, the... like originally... The theory is that the game was going to be much, much, much darker. <laughs> Instead of the very lighthearted... Yeah, it was very lighthearted. ...liners kind of thing. Because, like... Alright, you know the boss that you were talking about uh, at one point that you really hated, the rat boss? Yeah, Terminator. Do you remember how the queen jumps after that? Yeah! That part, like, it's very dark. It is very dark. Even the humor is... Yeah, and it just feels very out of place for the game. So th- that's kind of one of that's the That's right. The I forgot about that. And the puppeteers as well. That was a very yeah. kind of awkward, almost like mysterious area. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Like, I don't remember who the writer was that they brought on for it. I would love to see the, like, it, them do a much darker version of it because it was just 
Oh yeah, that'd be really really cool. Yeah, I love that part though. The part with with Verminators because like the the puppeteer is so creepy. Remember because you have to fight the two puppets and then yeah. the the, yeah. the creepy ass face. Like Jesus, yeah, I forgot about that. There were uh, a lot of a lot of the early press release images were way different from what we got in the final game. Mm-hmm. Um, there was stuff like the dog was a different dog in a, in the wrong area, things like that. But then there was stuff like bits of text that were very weird. Like there was, I think there's mention of slavery <laughs> and in the prehistoric era. I wouldn't be surprised. Very, very different stuff from what made it into the final game. And a lot of people think that uh, they kind of like scrapped the whole thing. I was thinking that because the story really doesn't connect that well. Like, I mean, you get, you're like in the jungle area, there's some like random shit going on, then you kind of get through it. And then yeah. like, I, I did Magmar a couple days ago and it's like, you know, like the twins, it's just really random. It's, it seems like it was kind of broken up and not fully completed, but I just figured it was in, you know, the nineties RPG. Like that's, that's what you expect is not a full story all the time. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much the theory that there was, it's way, way different. It, it was originally. And then like, they, I think they didn't expect it to sell well the way that they had it. <laughs> About two copies when I was a kid. <laughs> so funny. And so they, uh, they, yeah, they just completely changed the game towards the end, and they didn't have enough time to make a lot of it work, like the stuff in uh, with the queen jumping. And yeah, cause I, remember, I remember her jumping. Yeah. What, what's interesting is like if somebody did a Kickstarter for like for Secret of Evermore two, I would support the shit out of that. <laughs> I'm gonna do this. This is awesome. Do you have any questions awesome. about Secret of Evermore, Robert? Do what? Do you have any questions about Secret of Evermore? No, I mean, it sounds like just kind of another, you know, Super Nintendo, kind of like one of those, you know, the Super Nintendo RPGs seem to a lot of them have the same sort of feel. Yeah. Uh, and it just sounds yeah. like another another good Super Nintendo RPG based on it what you're saying. Very, it's it's very not, good. um, I'm familiar with the title. I don't know much about the game. That's um really, really good. I love playing this game. Cool. Yeah. How 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 long of a game is it? Maybe like thirty hours, I would think, okay, it, really? depending on what you do. That's pretty long for a Super <sighs> Nintendo. Or... No way! It's got to be like if you do some of the side hours. stuff. Yeah, maybe like twenty, twenty-five. Maybe that's more realistic. I don't know. I'm pretty slow though on RPGs. Okay, I, uh, this is what I was kind of thinking. So, all right, I looked it up at uh, howlongtobeat.com. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that site, just everybody should go check that out. Um, for the main story, it says it's about 12 hours, which that's about what I thought, maybe 15. And then for a completionist, which is, I assume they mean grinding out, maxing all yeah. of your alchemy spells, they wow, say about 51 really and a half hours. 51? Uh-huh. Holy shit. Because I, I, I know I finished, a couple, I finished a couple times like 24 hours. I remember that. Yeah, that's with doing quite a bit of the side stuff. Yeah, and I AFK a lot too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robert, you should definitely consider put this on your list, though. This is a game that my list is too. I, I don't think there's room for this on my list right now. Oh my god! Sorry. Uh, you can move but some still, Metal Gear down. I still play Final Fantasy VI, uh, Kingdom you know, Hearts, Metroid. Super you still Metroid, haven't beat uh, Secret. Uh, no, sorry. Chrono um, Trigger. You still haven't beat Chrono Trigger. Well, I'm not. I don't. I'm not planning on it. Earthbound. Oh so there's no room for Secret of Evermore, unfortunately, right now. Wow. Um, so okay, so that's Secret of Evermore. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I think I hear what like ten thumbs up for Secret yeah, of Evermore yeah. Is that from you. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. 
Um, now, real quick, I'm going to interject. Uh, I, I do have to correct you on something. I, I'm, I pulled up the reviews for Dungeon Keeper on iTunes, and I am seeing some one-star reviews on here. I wonder if they stopped doing it after it got after this article got posted. So, is it when you did your review? Did you do it straight through iTunes, or did you do it through the game? Through the app. Okay, I think. Okay, I read something about that. Okay, and apparently, if you review it through the app. Then they'll, uh, then they'll like post all the five star ones. Oh, or whatever. Okay. But they like, but if you do it like a, a low rating, then oh, they also yeah. use their own like team or something for internal, you know, like like you know that, that, right. that's what like, for internal purposes. So we can you know blah 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 blah. But um, I, I, there are so overall on the app store right now it has three out of five stars. Um, it would probably be a lot lower. It seems like if they if all of the reviews that they did through the app went went through equally um and i was just reading this one is this true jay um so so dungeon keeper one of the another one of the core mechanics of the game is you have your minions that mine out yeah the imps (laughs) yeah they they mine out blocks of gold from the ground and that gives you gold and also makes room for you to build rooms correct this person is saying that some that to dig out one block of gold it takes four hours without 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 any purchases, is that right? Yeah, it starts off really small, like the amount of time, and then it grows and grows. And That's grows. insane be- mm-hmm. because, like, it takes like two or three seconds. Yeah, it's, and you'll have like rooms that are like sixteen, that are like four by four blocks, like sixteen blocks total. So, I mean, this could take you, like, weeks just to, like, make a, a basic room in the game. That I think that's their whole like, point, is they want you to play over time. What, what's funny is, I'm looking at the, the, the app, I forgot about this, on the app, so when it says, please rate this game, there's either the option to do one through four stars, or five stars. So basically, if you push the one through four stars, they're just like, yeah, it's... And, and here's how they defended it, by the way. EA Mobile has defended the practice as an easier way for players to provide feedback, or to receive feedback. Oh, yeah, that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> It makes it a lot easier if your one to four star review goes somewhere yeah. else after you leave it. Yeah, right. Um, and also, by the way, it, it shows the top in-app purchases on the iTunes page. But you buy like bucket of gems, pile of gems, blah blah blah, various like quantities of gems. Um, number five, the number five top uh, in-app purchase apparently is mountain of gems. Button. It's mountain gems, which is a hundred dollars. Oh my god. So, and the number one is twenty dollars. So yeah. So don't <laughs> don't buy this game. Um, I'll go next. Are, are we done with Secret of? Yes, Evermore? we're done. We're so, done talking about the best game ever. Uh, I'm sorry, Jay. Oh my! I'm going to mute myself. I'm just not going to talk. <laughs> my game oh boy, this week. Here we go. Looking at solid one. Um, I as I've discussed before on the podcast, I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid fan. It's probably I'd probably have to say it's my second favorite um, game franchise ever, uh, second to the Monkey Island series. Um, but but despite the fact that I love it so much, I never actually played the first one, the the, the first the actual first Metal Gear Solid. Uh, not to mention the the pre Metal Gear Solid Nintendo Metal Gear games. I haven't played those either. But out of the Metal Gear Solid games, I never got I never got around to playing the very first one. I started with the second one, and I've played all of them since then, with the exception of uh, Peace Walker, which was just uh, I guess that that was only on PS Vita. Is that, that's right, isn't it, Blake? That's it. It was only on PS Vita until until recently or something like that, right? Um, I mean, originally yeah. it was on. Yeah, the original was on PlayStation. The PS Vita ones. Or the PSP ones are uh, 
Peace Walker, things like that. Right, Peace, Peace Walker, Walker yes. and a few others. I just want to make sure I wasn't confused about. It. So, so I haven't played any of like the mobile ones, uh, yeah. but I played two, three, four, two, three, and four. I love them all. I never, I, I, I missed the first one, and I'm just now getting back to playing that. So I played it, and I and I've beaten. I, I, I beat it over the past week, and uh, so and, and so I, I definitely really enjoyed this one too. It's it's got the same feel as the other games, of course. Um, it's not. I, I'd, I'd have to say. Um, well, well, I'll, I'll get to where it ranks compared to the other ones in a minute. So, you're probably familiar with the Metal Gear Solid series, even if you haven't played any of them. But it's it's uh, kind of like the quintessential stealth game. Um, it's you can't just go in guns blazing, really. Although maybe you could on this one, um, or else typically you're just going to get outnumbered and killed. So, the, so the 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 premise of the game is you have to sneak around. Uh, to you know, on, on this mission, which in this case is uh, a group of like super elite uh, soldiers with crazy ass powers have taken over a uh, nuclear disposal facility, and they're demanding the remains of their former. Uh, so it's not not really leader, but but someone who is very important to to their group. Who died a while back? They're demanding that the United States government turn over the, his remains, and if they don't, then they're going to launch nukes all over the place. Uh, and then, so your job, you're, you're Solid Snake, the main character. You used to be a part of this same group. You're you're another like elite soldier, and you're infiltrating the base and trying to stop them. So, you know, fairly fairly basic setup. Now, with with as is the case with all the Metal Gear Solid games, it, things become progressively more complex as you play through the story. Um, also, as with the other Metal Gear Solid games, so, so the thing that really makes Metal Gear Solid stand apart is not just the, the stealth mechanic, but also the sort of crazy and quirky method of storytelling. There's lots of just, like, wild stuff that happens. Uh, the story, like, they're, they're, the, the, the game is probably split almost 50-50 between playing and watching cutscenes and, and watching dialogue and, and, and people talking back and forth. It's very heavily story-focused, um, much more than, than any other games of most any, regardless of genre. Um, and and, that's, and so, so all those things combined is, what, is why I really love the Metal Gear Solid games in general. The, I love, they, they have, a, a, the, I feel like, the perfect mixture of weird and awkward and quirky, and at the same time being very, it has the, abil- the ability to be very moving um, in, in its storytelling as well. Uh, and, and to present, you know, not only present some interesting ideas, but make you really feel for the characters, and not even just the main characters and supporting characters, but even like the bad guys. So, um, and that's one of the things that I kind of realized as I was playing this, and, and I guess I noticed it before, but never really consciously thought about it. This this game in particular, and, and really all the Metal Gear Solid games, are one of the things that really makes them so awesome. All of the supporting characters and all of the like boss characters, uh, like all of the main characters who are who are villains or whatever, they all have just as much depth as the main character, Solid Snake. Um, you might not know it at first, but at some point you're going to come across like their story of how they came to be where they are now and who they are now, and everybody like has like has equal attention given to their backstory, and it really makes for a really rewarding game as you play through. You're not just like beating bosses, you know, like like you're not just figuring out how to beat a boss, beating them, and move on. 
you know, whether it's it's right before you get to them or while you're fighting them or, or right after you, you fight a boss, you you always end up learning something that really just adds a whole lot to the to the depth of the story. And it keeps you engaged and it gives them like a, a reason for existing rather than you just have to rather than just like a challenging part of the game to get through. Uh, and I really, really enjoy that about all the Metal Gear Solid games. Um, I, I, it's 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 like regardless of of how evil like a boss one of the, one of the bosses are, you always end up like having at least some sort of sympathy, or if not sympathy, at least understanding for them by the time you you've beaten them in the game. Um, and and that that I mean that really goes for any of them. I, I would pick out. I pick. I would pick out an example. Maybe Psycho Mantis was was my favorite example of this, and I don't want to get too specific about what it, what it is. But like, just like the whole way the, that boss battle is orchestrated, not even just like the, the the crazy conceit that they came up with, which with the way that you beat them, but even everything leading up to that, like the music that plays, the dialogue that occurs during the boss battle, it all just works together. I feel like so so incredibly well. Now. So the so the game, as you probably know, is it, it does have its quirks, and that's kind of like the whole aesthetic of the Metal Gear Solid series. One of my favorite things, well, one of the one of the funniest things to me about the game is how the characters will directly refer to like the buttons that you're using, or like the controller even, or like various aspects of the game itself while you're playing. So like, there's this one part where. Uh, you have to get this this one uh, like character that you save. He's tr- he he's, he gives you the frequency to contact another character whose name is Meryl, who plays a very important role in the rest of the game from then on. But he so so her freak, her like radio frequency. He's given that he's given you her radio frequency so you can get in touch with her because you have a radio that you like call back to base and you can talk to the colonel and you can talk to various other people through that during the game just whenever you just whenever you want to. They can. Help you. They're, at some par- parts, they're crucial parts of the story, and they'll call in, and you'll have a dialogue. At other times, like if you get stuck, you can call one of them, and they'll kind of like try to help you through the part you're on. Uh, and so, Meryl, this guy's trying to give you her frequency so you can call her and help her out, or and see what she's doing. But he can't remember her frequency. Um, Blake, do you remember? Do you remember this part? Yeah, I kind of so- hate it. <laughs> okay, so he, so like. So this guy, will, for for instance, he says, "Oh, what's her frequency? What's her frequency? Oh, I remember. It's on the back of the CD case." And that's so, why I hated it. So, <laughs> so, no, so, right, so, I will stop you really quick. I do actually want to explain why I'm saying that. The reason yeah, that pissed me off so much is because when I was playing it, um, I was renting this game from Blockbuster. All the time. Oh, so there's man. no back of the CD case for anybody who doesn't know that. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. And, and and not that it's the same by any means, but because we have the internet. But unlike the version I have, which is the Legacy Collection, that it doesn't have it anywhere on there either. You just have to Google it. <laughs> that's easy, of course. Yeah. But uh, not back then when you rented it. So that's that's a shame. But like when you start off the game as well, like so you like you're in a submarine and then you swim to like the dock of of this nuclear base so you can infiltrate it. And as soon as you get in, the first thing you do is pretty much with all the Metal Gear Solid games is you get ready to go, and then there's a cutscene. So he ducks behind a box, calls the colonel, and the, and the colonel gives him all these instructions on what to do. And so he'll straight up just be like, Snake, if you need to fire your gun, press the R button to choose your gun, and then square fires. 
and it's just like they it's like they don't take they don't try to stray away from the fact that this is a game at any point. Um, there's one, oh yeah, so at one point you're being you're being tortured, and for me this scene came after um, a boss battle, and a few things happened in between, and uh, and I didn't save because it was pretty shortly after a boss battle. But then you get into this this cutscene, all this stuff happens, and then there's this torture part where you're being tortured, and uh, you, you're 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 strapped to this stuff, and they're basically like electrocuting you or something, and you have to press circle as fast as you can, and that regenerates your life while you're being tortured. And there are two things that can happen. You can uh, well, there are two ways to get out of it. One is to press circle. It happens four times. If if you press circle fast enough, and you have some life by the time it's over, then you survive. And they throw you into cell, and they're like, "Oh, I guess we can't get anything out of him." Um, if you get too low on life, then you can press select, and that's like you cave in and you tell them whatever it is they they want to know. Um, but the thing is, if you don't uh, if you don't survive, you don't get to continue like you normally do. On, on on any other level, you get a, if you die, you get a continue. You, you can just continue and you start off back at the beginning of that part of the level, which is like typically like that room. Um, on this one, right when he's explaining to you what's going to happen when you're being tortured, um, it's 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 this isn't really a spoiler. It's Revolver Ocelot is the is the villain who's torturing you specifically at this point. He goes, so what happens is you have to press circle to get your life back, and if you die, there's no continues. And if and in my case, I hadn't saved for a while, and he specifically said, "It looks like it's been a long time since you saved your game." And uh, and sure enough, I tried just doing it anyways, and I and I lost, and I, and I died because I didn't want to give in, and I had to start over before the boss battle that came before that, and and the backtracking that ensued. So that was kind of a bummer, but it was it's cool that they incorporate stuff to me. To me, it's cool that they incorporate stuff like that into the game, and I and I kind of enjoy it when they reference the game itself. It's it's kind of fun. Well, um, all right. So you were playing, you weren't playing the original version, right? Uh, I was playing the so original. You, not, not, I was not playing. You mean as opposed to the VR missions? Yeah. Or so you were playing the PlayStation version. It was the PlayStation version. Yes. Okay. Did you have any other Konami save games on your memory card? No. Okay, because there's a cool little touch, like. Konami put in a little like Easter egg, depending on what other games you have on there. You'll have to Google it to find uh, the specifics about it. But depending on which games you have, Psychomantis will be like, "Oh, I see you've been playing whatever Konami game." You know what? Um, I I feel like something happened at one point where they said like, "You haven't played a whole lot of other Konami games" or something like that. I feel like they referenced that as well. I don't remember yeah, specifically where, but I kind of vaguely remember something like that happening. That's it's just okay. one of those cool little touches. It's another one with that fight where it's like very strange. Uh huh. And and the, the psychomantis fight. Do you remember the part where he says, "I can control things with my mind"? See, watch. Put and down, put down the controller and yeah. see what happens. And you set the controller down, and he activates the rumble. Yeah. So nah, so little I things like that. that. Yeah, little things like that all through the game. Um, I definitely feel like this was. Uh, Hideo Kojima sort of warming up and then Metal Gear Solid 2 was when he sort of like broke loose and really went all out in his style that became really uh, characteristic of, of all the rest of the Metal Gear Solid games since. It's It's got these crazy things, but it, it, compared to the other ones, it does feel like he's holding back just a little bit in the crazy stuff that he's doing. Um, so it, it's definitely got all that, not to the same extent as the other ones. 
Um, now, I do have a few minor complaints. So, again, I love the game. I definitely recommend it, especially if you're a Metal Gear Solid fan and, and you're like me and for whatever reason you hadn't played this one. Um, there, there are a few weak points in it. One is it's the sneaking around is very easy uh, compared to the other games. Do you, do you remember, like, when was the last time you played Metal Gear Solid 1? <laughs> oh, my God. It's been uh, a while. Early 2000s. Okay. Very early. Okay. So I felt like, so for instance, like I rarely had to even duck behind anything. Um, and that's kind of like, you have, to, like, that's like, you have, you, you can't get away without ducking in any of the other ones. But in this one, like the, 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 the enemies, like the basic soldiers, of course they have a field of vision and you can see them where they are on your like radar. But they also have like limit to how far they can see. So they could be staring straight at you, but if you're just like on the other side of the room, they don't see you. So yeah, you can be at the end of like a twenty foot hallway and they won't see you. Right, yeah. So like all you have to do is is like you can be standing anywhere as long as you're far enough away and then you wait for them to pass, you can just run past them. There's very like there was very little ducking behind things you had to do or like actually hiding behind things. You can just stand wherever you want, wait for them to walk off to the side, and then you just run past. Um, also, another kind of famous element of the Metal Gear Solid games are the cardboard boxes that you can hide under, and then you, you can run around while still wearing the box. That looks really funny. Um, I used a cardboard box one time in my entire playthrough of the game. And, and you get three of them, so it's like they expect you to be using them all the time, but like, not, like it's not just because I didn't have to. Like I only felt like there was one part where I needed to use the cardboard box. Do you so, know their other use? The cardboard box? Yeah. No. You can get in the back of trucks, and the trucks will take you to different places. Oh, really? Did okay, you, yeah. I, wondered, I wondered if there was some mechanic like that, because they all, <laughs> say, all the boxes are labeled like to this place yep. or to that place. Okay, that's cool. I, I did not. I didn't know about that. I didn't discover that on this play on on this playthrough. That's pretty awesome. Okay, well that's cool. So okay, so so I guess so there is another use for for the box that I didn't discover. As far as hiding in them, I only did that one time. Um, there's also. Do you remember this play? There's also quite a bit of backtracking in this in this one. Yeah, which is what makes the thing with the boxes really. Yeah, useful. that you makes can use that to get around a lot easier. That makes sense now. So at one point in the game, it's like the third boss you come to. You have to backtrack all the way to the very beginning of the game to get a weapon that you need to beat her. Um, and, it, and it's funny because like they realize, it's like the, the developers realize that this kind of sucks. Because when you're talking to Otacon, who's like a scientist, and he's helping you out, and he says... Yeah, there's a um, there, there's there's this there's this weapon like in he tells you what room it's in, and Snake goes, I have to run back all the way back there. And so like they knew that this was a pain, but it's like for some reason they just put this in there anyways. I guess maybe trying to incentivize people to to realize to to discover the traveling the box traveling mechanic, but it still is a little bit it was just a little bit annoying. And then there's another part after that. Where it starts you back at the... Where, like, you basically go... Even, like, shortly after you do all that backtracking, it's, like, the halfway point of the game. Well, like, distance-wise, it's, like, 50% through the game. You have to go all the way back, get the weapon, go back. And then, shortly after that, they set you back at the beginning again. And that's for the torture scene. And then, so, once you're done with that, you have to go back through it again. And then, at the very end of the game, 
to get to the final boss, you have um, you have to backtrack twice again. Not all the way back to the beginning of the game, but you have to go back to these rooms that are fairly close to where you are. But it's still like backtracking to any degree is always tedious. So there was too much backtracking uh, for sure. It didn't totally turn me off because I was having enough fun with the game overall. But I'm glad that that pretty much is gone in the other ones. I guess there was some in Metal Gear Solid 2, but not to the same extent. Um, my other, my, my final complaint is the ending of the game. It was just, I felt like for all that it had built up story-wise, the ending was very shallow and even, and even sappy. So, like, it, it just turns into, like, this, it's like a, it, like, it almost ends like a romantic novel, I felt like. Um... Do, do you remember the ending at all, Blake? Um, bits and pieces. I assume you got the one with Meryl? Yeah. Okay, well, there you can get different endings there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Depending oh, yeah. on... Uh, specifically, it depends on how the torture scene goes. Yeah, okay, that's what I was guessing, because that was the only thing that I remember there could have really been an alternate outcome for. And I was wondering how that manifested later in the game. So, So that makes sense. So... The ending came across as really sappy to me, and not just that, but also just, like, shallow and, like, just very cliched. Like, not, not quite meaningless, but, like, enough cli- like cliched enough to where it was basically meaningless. But, every, but again, well, everything leading up to that was good enough for me to, to, to not, like, the ending, it's not a deal-breaker for me because all the other stuff was so good. It's like, if, the pa- if like, the last one or two minutes of the game kind of lets me down, like, that doesn't bother me too much. Plus, the thing with that is, I mean, the game was very steeped in 90s and, and to a lesser degree, 80s action movie, action movie cliches. So it's not that shocking that the ending, especially the entire ending sequence, not just the ending video, but the fights leading up to it and everything. Mm-hmm. It's very 90s action movie kind of stuff, really. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't mind the the the, the final the, like the like the couple final like action sequences and boss sequences too much. It's um, not bad. It does go on for a little bit. It, yeah, I did feel that. It's like oh, I have to do this Again? now. <laughs> Just stay down. Yeah, that that did get a little annoying. Um, the thing that really that, that yeah, it, it got a little bit annoying. It wasn't too bad though. Um, so, so a little bit weak on the ending for me, but again, it doesn't bother me because, like, so many other parts of the movie uh, of the movie. <laughs> that was probably. Uh oh, there's Jay. There's Jay. I was waiting for that. Uh, <sighs> definitely a Freudian slip. So the other parts of the game were good enough, and again, the the bo- like all like just the characterization of of everybody. Um, I just love so much. Um, and now, Blake, I got to call you out on something. Uh oh, you said that. So you so you said that you dislike Metal Gear Solid Two because uh, you felt that um well I don't remember your words exactly you said you felt that Hideo Kojima the director of the game was was kind of getting too pompous with it sort of is that am I putting your words in your mouth or yes definitely I am yeah so, okay, so what, what okay so you, tell me what you didn't like about Metal Gear Solid well, all right I didn't like the fact that it switched up the main character that it that it lied with fans. Okay, okay, um, this, the character game. switch, I can definitely understand. Um, not just the character switch, but the character of Raiden was really annoying, which I think was intentional, but that doesn't mean I like it. Fair enough. And 
Uh, I like a lot of the gameplay elements, but the story was just so like intentionally bonkers, off the wall stuff that I was just like, it, it, no, no. It, it, he, like it, it was a game, which is funny. Which is what makes this funny to me is that you actually do like the second one, or that you liked it without playing the first one. It, it feels like it's kind of poking fun at the first game in a lot of ways, and like it just takes everything from the first game like to a crazy extreme. And okay, it, so it, I wasn't my suspension of belief wasn't there for the second one, pretty much. So I, I agree that it takes elements from the first game to an extreme, but I, I feel like uh, the elements that it takes to the extreme were far enough along that it wasn't too surprising that they were there in the first place. So you, you said something along the lines of that the first one like was was pretty much, was pretty was a pretty straightforward and serious game. Right? Or in the Not second one, wasn't? Really. Okay, well, okay, okay, it had so, a lot of its crazy moment. Like, okay. Then I was yeah, just there's a lot. Okay, then I was just then I just misinterpreted what you said because like I basically was like writing down my rebuttals to what I imagined that you had originally said. Yeah. While yeah, I was playing Gear Solid like, One. The first one had a lot of silly stuff, but it also like it played it straight enough that it came across as kind of like I don't know how to put it. I, I, I got. I mean, I agree. It's. I, I know what you're saying. It's. It's got these kind of crazy, quirky moments. Metal Gear Solid Two, and like I said, I feel like he was like warming up in Metal Gear Solid One, and the Metal Gear Solid Two is when he just broke loose with all the craziness. Uh, Hideo Kojima being he, uh, and so, so it does take it to an extreme. Um, you know, again, depending on your preferences, maybe that may, that may be too far. In the second one, and maybe not far enough in the first one. To me, I, I like the 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 feel of the second one, like the quirkiness more. I, I like it being taken to that extreme, but de that, but definitely, it's certainly not for everybody. Um, a few of the sort of quirky things that I <laughs> that specifically that I liked in this one, I just wrote down. Um, I, I, for, for okay, first of all, there's a quote. At one point, uh, Snake asks Meryl like how she kept the key hidden from the guards, and her response is. That women have more hiding places than men. That was, you know, not too quirky and crazy, but it was pretty funny. Um, a little bit funnier was when he's arguing with her about how she said she's going to, like, run off and, and like, scout, a, scout ahead for him or something like that. And he tells her no. Then he, then he talks to her later, and she did it even though he told her not to. He says, you said you were going to hide and be a good girl, which uh, I got a pretty good laugh about. Um, then there's also the sequence where you have to figure out which soldier. So she's described as a, she, she's disguised as a soldier, and you don't know which one she is. The way you have to find out which one she is is the one that like walks like a girl. And so you have to find the soldier that walks like a girl, and then he follows her into the bathroom, and he tells her that the way that he was able to identify her was that he had that was that she has a great butt. My favorite part of all of these weird, like cheesy, stupid, funny parts of the game was. At one point, uh, you're you're just progressing through the game. This is probably about like the, the like three quarters of the way through, and uh, Otacon calls you. He says he says, uh, "Snake, I gotta come ask you something. I'm on my way." And Snake's like, "What is it?" He's like, "Don't worry, I'll be there in a second. I just have to ask you in person." And uh, <laughs> so you do, you're, so you run around for a second. Eventually, Otacon comes up and finds you, and Snake's like, 
what is it? What's wrong? What's so important? And he goes, do you think a soldier can fall in love? <laughs> and then Snake's like, what are you talking about? And he goes, do you think that love can bloom even on the battlefield? <laughs> That's one of the classic lines from that game. Yeah. That was, like, it's just, like, so obscenely cheesy. But, like, at this, but that's, like, what makes it so, so, so fun to me. And it's just, like, <laughs> it's so stupid. But, like, Otacon's, he's, like, coming out of hiding, you know, he has to talk to you about it directly. It sets it up, like, this is a huge thing. And then he asks you this absolutely asinine question. So, uh, so, I, 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 I dug it. I dug it. Um, I, I mean, I guess that's really all I, I've, I've gone on for, for certainly long enough on this. Indeed. Uh, I just want to, I would want to ask one thing. What is yeah. your thought, um, like, uh, man, there's so many ways that the, obviously the first game influences the entire rest of the series. What do you think about the flashback sequence of Metal Gear Solid 4, though? Now that you've played the first one, you flash back. I, I have. I, I don't know if I can remember entirely. I remember the part where you play Metal Gear Solid One and Metal Gear Solid Four. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and then right after that, you where you're flying is the the island where Metal Gear Solid One takes place. I don't. I don't really remember. I like. I have a hard time remembering games that I've played sometimes. Like what, especially story wise. I can't remember. Like I remember that part of the game, but I don't remember story-wise what you're talking about. Uh, well, you're flying out to the. It's the the area that's covered in snow in Metal Gear Solid oh. Four. Do you remember that? Like you go through part of a factory-looking kind of area, yeah. and then um, the boss fight in the snow. I don't. I can't. I don't remember. I don't remember this at all. Seriously, Jesus. I mean, it's been a long time since I played Metal Gear Solid Four. I should remember, anyways. But I just don't really remember. Tisk tisk. I know. I'm sorry. But um, that's Metal Gear Solid One. The end. <laughs> oh oh oh! You know what? This, now this is probably extremely obvious, but it's something that that I had never noticed before. Did you know? Have you ever noticed this, Blake? Um, all of the villains in the game, uh, plus. Solid Snake, all of their names have an animal name in them. Yeah. Okay. Is that just me that like that? I just came to that epiphany like a few minutes ago. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Decoy no. Octopus, Sniper Wolf, Solid Snake, um, Big Boss being the exception through the series. Big, Big Boss being the exception. Great. Uh, well, uh, what did what grade did you get at the end of the game? Do you remember? Uh, I got shark. Okay. See, and there, the whole grading system is all like that too. It's a bunch of animal names, etc. So the animal names are supposed to kind of relate to, like, the way that those characters got their names is supposed to kind of relate to the sort of things you can do to get those scores. So uh, does that mean that Sniper Wolf and Gray Wolf were, would be like equal, like relatively equal, like combatants? Um, maybe it kind of. It's sort of a wishy-washy system for the most part, but that's... It's kind of the thing. Like, theoretically? Like, yeah, sort of. It's one way to look at it. Is there is there a, a way to find out where... I wonder what, I wonder how Shark... I'd like to know where Shark ranks. It's right um, below... Let me see here. 
um, garden snake is right above it. Do you actually have that pulled up? <laughs> <I'm totally laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh my god! Oh, I'm, I'm interested. I, I, I when when Jay's talking, or when Blake, when you talk about your email, <laughs> oh, you hear that? Fine. Jay's talking. I'm looking up stuff. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, yeah, I want to see where I, where where Shark lands on that. But anyway, okay, so that was that's just me that that only just now realized that. Um, Blake, is there anything that I'm leaving out that you think we need to say about Metal Gear Solid One, or is it time to move on? No, I think that's enough. I think, I think you have a problem, Robert. Taking a sleep now. I, I feel like you've played all Metal Gear Solid and nothing else. Well, that's that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Spoiler, well, Robert's never actually played any other video game. <laughs> <laughs> I've been just yeah, I've been I've been found out. Um, right. Oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, I got a question. I got a question. Um. Can do you think that when they're talking to each other over the uh, what's, what's the fucking radio called? Uh, you know, I'm talking the codec. Yeah, when they're talking over the codec, they can see each other. And if so, how? Because no. I those, think that's for uh, the player's experience. I think they can because there's a certain person who disguises himself visually on the codec. Yeah, well, I think, again, that's part of the cheesy hamminess stuff of just Metal Gear Solid. Okay, so you think... So, okay, I, that, that makes sense. So it's just kind of... That part's just thrown in there just kind of funny, but they can't yeah, actually... Yeah, it's, okay. it's less literal and more for the player, and when he switches his voice up is kind of what tips me. I got you, because he does do that also. You're right. Yeah. Um, now, okay, I know I'm rambling on like crazy, but I, there, one more thing that I just remembered that I, that I just have to bring up, this is a little bit off topic, but on the Metal Gear Solid subreddit, uh, on Reddit, there was a post over the past week, and it was, what is your least favorite moment from the series? Um, first of all, I'd, I'd be Metal interested, Gear Solid like, 2. if you have one off the so, <laughs> all of Metal Gear Solid 2. Metal Gear Solid 2. Everything <laughs> after the tanker. So the top one is, somebody said, uh, definitely the scene in Metal Gear Solid 4 where Meryl and Johnny are talking about marriage. Um, that one is pretty bad, but it was bad. cheese. It was right. just it's enough like the cheese same where I was like, okay, this is so stupid that it <laughs> is actually funny. It's like on par with the egg cooking subplot and, and the, the part about Otacon that we talked about earlier, the Ken Love blue yeah. on the battlefield. <laughs> but... Um, so, but but in, in this in this thread, somebody mentioned uh, the backtracking in Metal Gear Solid One, specifically when you have to do the the trick with the key. The and, key uh, part really pisses me off. That's yeah. that's I think annoying bad game design. That was game. but but see that backtracking to me wasn't as bad as going back to get the the the, the, the sniper rifle. But regardless, so this well, guy it's such an awkward mechanic that's just like go stand in this area. Yeah, it is because you just have to now stand. Now go stand in this one. It's like what? What? Why? Yeah. So that was. Uh, I didn't. You know. I, I agree. I, I didn't really care for that. It, it kind of took away. It was. It's not fun to do stuff like that. So anyway, this guy mentioned backtracking to get the to, for the key, uh, and then I I replied. I, I I replied to him. I said, yeah. Also, when you have to backtrack through like fifty percent of the map, all the way back to be to the beginning of the game to get the PSG one, and uh, some a third guy responded to me. <laughs> he wrote. I played Metal Gear Solid 1 for the first time in September. I did so on PS3, so I wasn't able to save. 
I almost quit right there. Oh my god. <laughs> I wrote I wrote you can say I wrote so I responded back to him I wrote you can save on PS3. You just have to tell the system to to emulate a PS1 memory card. It's an option somewhere in the system settings. And he wrote yeah, you got to be shitting me, right? I made it to I, I made it to Raven and Rex each time quitting because I've been playing too long. And then I just oh and then I just wound up watching a video of it online. So this guy <laughs> played basically like played through 80% of the game, 80 to 90% of the game once and twice. Uh without pausing just because he didn't think you could save on PS3. Uh I just got a I, I got a good laugh out of that. That's extremely random and very off topic, but it was funny enough to me where I had to share it with you guys. Um, that's all we're going to talk about. Metal Gear Solid Three. Thank God. And uh, <laughs> I was hoping we weren't going to have a new, another two hour episode. But oh, after, it's going to happen. But you shit all over that. Thanks, Rob. I shit all over that, just like Johnny in Metal Gear Solid Four. Oh my! No more references. No more Metal Gear for the rest of the podcast. I swear to God, if it's your thing for the thing, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> with, with that, we're going to move on to Blake. Oh, Time to God. change your list. And I'm going to get some water. You're going to change your list. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, burn, so like, Jay, you'll be excited about Thank this God. <laughs> Guess what I played. Yeah. Um, Chrono Cross. No, Damn. I'm playing that right now. That'll be for the next podcast. Hmm. Is it something that I've played? Yeah. It's the fucking prequel to Chrono Cross, for God's sake. Come on. What? Really? Yeah, I played Chrono Trigger. Wow, okay. <laughs> this is definitely a better night now. <laughs> so yeah, um, for my RPG month last month, uh, I finished things off. It actually spilled over into the first couple days of this month. Uh, I played Chrono Trigger, which I have not played in a very long time. That's what I was just thinking. What, that you hadn't played it in a long yeah, time? Yeah, it's been a long time now. Yeah. Um, it lived up to everything I remembered, pretty much. It may have even been a little bit better in some ways because I kind of knew what to expect. I knew what I was looking for. I knew what kind of things the game did really well. Like, I don't even know what to say about Chrono Trigger. I know, we've talked about it so much. We really have. That's the problem. And I kind of feel stupid. Uh, But, hey, at least I won't be here for 40 minutes talking about it. I see what you did there. (laughs) Hey, uh, did you beat the final boss? Because I heard some people are pussies and don't kill the final boss. Oh, yeah, I whooped the final boss's ass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Robert, you're here. Oh, man. Like, I don't even know where to begin. The Okay, one of the things that I don't like about the game... There we go. Yeah, 65 million BC. I hate that era of the game. So for anybody who doesn't know, it's about time travel... In case you hadn't gotten this to from the information yet, <laughs> so it's a time travel game. At one point, you go back to six. Well, at a couple points, you go back to sixty-five million BC. You hang out with the cavemen. You fight dinosaurs, and I. It has no significant bearing saying. on the plot, really, aside from one thing, and like that's it. It doesn't really add anything to the game except for one character and basically the origin story that could be handled in so many different ways. It's not something that you literally need to see happen. Well, you know, whatever. It's a spoiler. Fast forward like 20 seconds if you don't want to hear it. 65 million BC is where you see Lavos lands and buries under the ground. Like, that's the only significance it has to the story. Aside from that... 
you get another character there, you do a lot of side stuff with um, characters that are not at all interesting, really, <laughs> and that part of the game sucks ass. Um, I'm trying to think of other things about the game that I dislike, and I'm, like, drawn a Yeah, I'm trying to think, here. I mean... <laughs> I mean, the one thing we always talk about, music, great music, great soundtrack. Fantastic. Amazing. And I, I think we've actually mentioned this before. Uh, the soundtrack is from an era in Squaresoft's history where uh, everybody knows Uematsu. Nobuo Uematsu is famous for the work he did for Square around this time and for the couple years afterwards. But Chrono Trigger's soundtrack was not b- done by Uematsu. Uh, soundtrack was actually done by Yasunori Mitsuda, who went on to do so many other amazing games. He did the music for Chrono Cross, uh, which I'll probably talk about. I actually like the music in that game a lot. Chrono Cross's music is the best part about the game. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And the main character looking like a little bitch with that weapon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else did he do? He did uh, Xenogears, uh, the Shadow Hearts game. Yeah, he kind of went off on this weird little tangent. Yeah, he did a lot of the Mm -hmm. um, lesser-known Square yeah, kind of like their side right. projects or something, if you want to put yeah. it down. Did he do Xenosaga by chance as well, do you know? Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, Xenosaga was done by a different company from Squaresoft. Oh, uh, okay. Square Enix as well. Yeah. He did quite a few different things. He actually did the music for Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, okay. Um, well, that. actually, all right, judging by what it says here, he only did one song for it, so never mind. Xenoblade Chronicles is a game I want to get around to sometime, but that's something else. Um, oh, wait a minute. He did do the music for Xenosaga 1. Huh. That I must have been know. like right in the transition period. Yeah. That, right before he went off. Yeah, exactly. Huh, cool. And so, yeah, he did a couple other really cool projects. Um, great, great music in Chrono Trigger. I, I don't think we can emphasize that enough. Um, the gameplay, it's it's not bad. It can, at the same time, you know, that's not even accurate. It can, you can get through the game just for the most part spamming attack, except for the enemies that are, that, where you have to lower their defenses and stuff with certain spells. But for the most part, the game actually fills your inventory with items to restore your stats. You can get just constant mid-ethers. Like, I played through the game actually using a lot of my magic, and even doing that and using mid-ethers and full-ethers and ethers and all this stuff to get my MP back up, I still ended the game with, like, 40 mid-ethers left, 10 full-ethers. Yeah, you and I were talking about the four. We're so big on that. Yeah. I tr- I specifically tried to play through it this time without hoarding super bad. <laughs> I even used one of my Mega Elixirs. I couldn't believe it. It was the craziest thing. And even, like, playing to use those items, it was, like, no problem getting through the game, still having some. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I didn't like about that game. I, I actually, I was going to say, I really enjoyed the, the fighting style, kind of like we were talking about with Secret of Evermore. It's like, if you're not a big fan of the turn base, this game is kind of a little bit more away from it than you would say, like, Final Fantasy VII, where it's legitimate def- definition of turn base. Well, not exactly, because Final Fantasy... I mean, around this time, it was actually Final Fantasy IV had the first kind of active time battle system, ATP, which then um, became a staple of the series for a long time. Long, long time. Um, so it actually has a very similar game play style to Final Fantasy VII, etc., with uh, your characters 
they can't do anything until the bar fills up and the enemy's bars are filling up at the same time. So it's, it can actually be very, very frantic, especially early on if you're not taking the time to grind levels and stuff. There are a couple fights that are very, very difficult in that game. And, like, you have to be ready to, oh my god, i got to go heal this, i got to resurrect this person, I've got to do all this and this and this. Yeah. And then the technique system, I think I still... I do like the technique system. Um, the way that the leveling up works in this game is that uh, you don't learn new abilities as you level up. You get a specific subcategory of points called technique points. And as you get more and more technique points, you'll unlock more abilities for each character. Um, each character has their own technique point pool, just like levels. It's pretty much a level-up system for your abilities. And I think I like it. I didn't <laughs> find it too much. I think I liked it. Um, it was one of the things I was kind of like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this if I go into the game this time around. And it wasn't a bad thing. I actually kind of played around with it, had some fun with it through my... Uh, through different people into the parties at different times to help them learn more abilities and stuff. And it wasn't bad. It was a cool little system. I don't know if it would work as well nowadays. Yeah, definitely not. There's a lot of stuff about games like that. Yeah. And, like, that's the only other thing where I was kind of like, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about that when I play through it this time. Aside from that, like, we've talked about Chrono Trigger so many times... I feel like a broken record. Great music, awesome story. I think the art and the music, actually playing the game, it's one thing to say that the music is great, but actually playing the game, I was like, this music is really bringing this experience together. So if you were to rate it before you played this last time, just based on your memories, 1 to 10, what would you put it as? Oh, man. Probably, like... Um... Nine out of ten. Okay, and you said you actually it, it met your expectations this time. Yeah, it That's pretty awesome. much is right there. I'd say it's like eight point five to nine out of ten. Oh. I think I'm going to play it soon. I, I'll probably wait a couple months just so we can kind of let it <laughs> let it die down a little bit. No, I'm doing six. I was going to play yeah, Earthbound. I yeah, exactly. I was legit going to play Earthbound this week, and I was like, shit, Blake just played it. <laughs> yeah, it, we've talked about it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Are there any other? things in the game. Okay, there's one other thing I actually wanted to talk about. Probably my favorite part of the game is the side quest. I was just going to bring that up. Oh. Yeah. Like, the whole the game is good. Without the side quest, it's probably, like, an 8 out of 10. Mm -hmm. But all of the stuff at the end of the game is so awesome, and it uses the time travel aspects of the game <clears throat> in ways that you haven't experienced it so far. It just adds so much flavor and character to the game and the world that it's like it's almost not side quest content. It's almost stuff that you have to play just because of how good it is and how much it adds to the game. So let's put this into context too, because during this time period, this is when you you saved up your money, you did whatever to get the money. I don't want to hear about your inappropriate stories, but you got enough money to buy these games and you literally played them until you beat the shit out of them, like Final Fantasy VII side stuff. Everyone did it. Oh, like yeah. this was the time when side side stuff was like required. Like you had to have it. It just made the game. Yeah. And so like these were this was exciting. Not as much. This today. one. <laughs> this was one of the first ones that did it. I think from this era, it's probably the RPG that does side stuff the best. 
Um, there's a lot of other contenders. Uh, Final Fantasy VI had some really good side stuff. Depending on how much of the World of Ruin stuff you actually count as side quests, like recruiting all the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think recruiting the characters is that much of a side quest uh, compared to some of the stuff that you find yeah, in Chrono Trigger. The whole side quest of the Rainbow Shell, the stuff with the Northern Ruins, which that side quest is kind of weak, especially compared to the others. Um, the side quest with the factory, which is kind of cool. Um, the sunstone, the stuff with, and then that like the big one with uh, Luca and Robo in the forest, and the special time portal that opens up for Luca. It, like that specific scene right there in the forest, adds so much to the game's story. <laughs> That it's like I it, it, the game's not really complete without having that scene in there. I don't think. And I'm like I'm trying to think of other RPGs from that era, from the Super Nintendo era specifically, that did side stuff really well. And it's like the only other one that comes to mind is Lufia Two. Side stuff, Oof, Super Nintendo. Hmm. There was a decent I, amount in Secret of Evermore. It wasn't a lot. Cause remember when you get the flying thing, you can go back through, and you remember you got to yeah, kill Thorax the second cool. time. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But like there, are, yeah, there's way more. Chrono Trigger is the game that kind of set the stage for side side yeah. stuff. No, I agree. After that, uh, it did it well. It was the first game to really do it that well. I would and, love to go back to that time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, experience all those games for the first time. Yeah, again. without the internet. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so yeah, um, side stuff in that game, amazing. Uh, I that I think that's about everything for Chrono Trigger. So Secret of Evermore and Chrono Trigger and Metal Gear Solid. Interesting. Robert. <laughs> nice. In Dungeon Keeper a little bit. Yeah, it's not good stuff though. Oh, and by the way, I just looked up the rankings on uh, for Metal Gear Solid One. The Shark ranking is the third is ranked three out of twelve for normal mode. So I think like three isn't like good. Like one is good. Yeah. So I think I, so. I guess I did pretty good. For I think mode. one does. Do you have the list there? What is number one? Yeah, it says it's kind of weird the way it works, well, but well, for normal, never mind. I don't remember the normal stuff. For rank two, though, you have to beat the game in less than three hours. Yeah. Which is basically you're doing a speed run. Pretty much, yeah. Skipping. Oh, God, <laughs> don't give Robert any ideas. Oh no. It'll get your speed run time. Oh, God, I'm, I'm leaving this call again. Um. So, is it, are those all the games we played? Is it time to move on it to uh, our yep. top threes? Let's do it. All right. So, top threes for this week are our top three favorite cheats or secrets or anything of the sort in classic games. Now, we should explain something in the last podcast for you faithful listeners out there. You may remember that we said, "Oh, hey, all right, our next top three is going to be top three tearjerker moments." But then right after the podcast, all three of us pretty much said, I'm having trouble thinking of more than, like, one or two. (laughs) Yeah. That I really feel like putting my weight behind and saying... Yeah, and trying to argue it where you're not like, yeah, kind of bullshitting, but... (laughs) Yeah, this moment was, um, it was was sad. Yeah. Yeah. My saddest moment was when Otacon asked me if... Oh, my (laughs) God, we're moving on! Alright, uh, who wants to start? I swear to God, Robert, if you say anything from Metal Gear Solid... Blake, you go, you go okay. first. Um, my first one 
we're going to I'm going to keep with the uh RPG motif we got going right now. And I'm going to say Vanish Doom from Final Fantasy 6. Ooh. It was probably my first experience with really um, like a game-breaking mechanic and just abusing a game system. For anybody who doesn't know, um, to explain Vanish Doom, what that means, there's two spells in Final Fantasy VI. Uh, the Doom spell, I think a lot of people are probably pretty familiar with. It's an instant kill attack, and it has a very high mischance. Vanish, however, is a spell that is almost exclusive to Final Fantasy VI. It's popped up in one or two other places, but its mechanic in Final Fantasy VI specifically, makes it so that the target has zero magic evasion. They can't dodge any spell that comes at them. So if you cast Vanish on an enemy, any enemy, and then you cast Doom on that same enemy, they're dead. It's the Wombo Combo of the 90s. It's the original Wombo Combo, pretty much. (laughs) It completely breaks any difficulty that the game has, and there are a couple of difficult fights in the game if you're not um, grinding super hard, if you're just going straight through the game. There are a couple of difficult difficult fights, but Vanish Doom shuts that down entirely if you want it to. It literally breaks the game entirely. Um, So... Like I said, that was one of my first experiences with something like that, and uh, it was a pretty cool one. I liked it. Nice. And, and I'll go second, but I'll, I'll preface this with the, the the art of like cheat codes in games has really been lost. It, yeah. It, it just just oh, just yeah. due to the due to technology. I was gonna say technology. Yeah. Technology. Like, DLC. Like specifically the internet, really. Um, because it used to be like when you found out a cheat code for a game, like that was a pretty you big told deal. Everyone. Yeah, you told everyone you know, and that was, like, a big find. But now, like, just because of the internet and everything, like, that's not even really possible to have cheat codes where, like, you actually discover them, and it's a big deal just to discover them in the first place. Um, So I'm just throwing that that out there because that will come into play with a couple of mine. So my my number three top favorite cheat code in a classic game is uh, Metal Gear Solid 1. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Here we go. I didn't get as big of a reaction out of you, Jay, as I thought. I was actually, I was actually That's because joking. he threw his headset down and yep. left. I just broke my freaking headset, Robert. Is that what I, you it's want? Actually, it's actually, I just had to, I wanted to just hear your reaction. It's, it's actually not from Metal Gear Solid. Oh, my God. It's Metal Gear Solid 2! So my number three uh, cheat is from uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I just got. I just added you back on Facebook. so it's and this one is not for what the cheat does but how you do the cheat so all the cheat is so this is michael jackson's moonwalker for sega genesis the cheat is just invincibility okay that's all it gives you but the way you do it is and there are actually a a number of games who use this cheat mechanic with the sega genesis and i just picked this one because this was the one that i specifically like knew of at the time this is the one i remembered to get invincibility with Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, you 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 have to own the game Space Harrier 2. You put Space Harrier 2 into the Genesis, turn it on, then when the title screen comes up, you pull the game out of the Sega Genesis with it still turned on, and put in Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, then hit reset, and then you get invincibility. Was that intended? Fuck. This is intended? Is it what? Is it intended? I don't know... 
exactly how this works and if they're intended or not. But apparently this, there were a lot of, because I tried finding this one because I, I remembered basically what you did, but I didn't remember exactly what the cheat was, so I Googled it. And apparently this was a, a fairly common thing with Sega Genesis games, and, it, and it's called cart swapping, huh. where, you, where you put in one game, turn it on, then yank it out while, the, while it's running. And, and every one of them has a warning that, like, do this at your own risk, you might break your Sega Genesis by doing it. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, because that's not something you want to do to your system. Yeah. No, it's bad for it's, the console. But it's worth it if you get invincibility in Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. <laughs> Just saying, I don't really think his invincibility work, or, or is that too soon? Since he's dead. All right, no, no, I'm just moving on. Never mind. It was like a not very good joke. So. I'm sorry. Let's edit some crickets into there. Um, now I did. I, I want to just give an honorable mention real quick because there's another kind of ridiculous. So there are lots of those. There's one particularly ridiculous one that's not really the same thing, but I just had to point it out because it's so like complicated what you have to do so this is for sonic the hedgehog 3 <laughs> um and it's to get debug mode which is which is basically like the the equivalent of like being able to open up the console in the pc game and just you know like hack it or whatever um so to do this you have to have the sonic and knuckles cartridge which i don't know if you guys remember but sonic and knuckles was like a cartridge that you bought and it had an o- opening on the top yeah. and you put another sonic the hedgehog game in it and if whichever Sonic the Hedgehog game you put on top of it, you got Knuckles in that game. And that's how it worked. So to get debug mode in Sonic the Hedgehog 3, you put in the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge. Then you put Sonic Hedgehog 3 on top of that. Then you have to enable the sound test option by grabbing hold of a vine in Angel Island. And while swinging, press left, 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 right, 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 up, up, up. Then a ring sound will confirm the correct code entry. Then you grab any pulley in Mushroom Hill and press left, 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 right, 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 up, up, up. Then the ring sound will, again, confirm the correct code entry. Then you, then you pause the game. Then you press start. Then it takes you to the Sega logo screen. Then you select either sound test or one-player options. Then when you pick the level you want to play, you hold A and press start. What the hell? <laughs> I, remember, I remember doing something like this with Sonic 3. Because I remember the, that game was incredibly hard, especially the last boss in Sonic the Hedgehog 3. That was the one that was like the golden Sonic phone, I'm mistaken. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Never mind. You know what? <laughs> I don't... It was a really... If, if that's what oh, I'm thinking the of... the very end boss. Yeah, you run like an airship or something. always be Super Sonic. I think yeah. that was Sonic 3, yeah. It yeah. May have been you had to cheat. Like, that guy was incredibly tough. So anyway, okay, so my top three. Michael Jensen, Moonwalker, Invincibility. Jay, what's your number three? Uh, number three would be, uh, actually, I'm going to do Secret of Evermore for my third one. So Secret of Evermore, Blake and I were kind of hinting about this earlier. Um, it had a lot of these secrets in the game that are really fun. Because basically, I, I, this time I played through, I literally walked into every wall just to find him. Because basically, <laughs> it's, it's an overview game. So you can randomly walk into like a wall that doesn't look like it's fully there. And you just walk right through it. And you'll walk into like a secret area and get a secret spell or a secret item. And in certain parts of the game, there's some really cool shit that you can find. And it's just it's just really cool, especially when you go back and play in this game, where you know where some of the secrets are, so you're just kind of discovering them more and more. And it was just, it was just fun for me, especially with that game in particular. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, Blake, let's hear number two. All right. Well, I actually have four. I'm going to do a special shout-out at the end of them. But for now, my number two is going to be the white block trick in Super Mario Brothers 3. Ooh! It's 
it's such a small little thing that doesn't really add a whole hell of a lot to the game, except in, like, two spots. But it was, like, one of the classic quintessential cheats. Wait, I'm, I vaguely remember it, but I'm having trouble remembering it exactly. So what you do is there are a couple... Some of the stages will have a big white block. And what you'll do, you'll jump on top of the white block, and then you'll crouch down for a couple seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you'll fall through the block into the background of the stage, yeah. and you'll be able to run back there. I forgot about that. There's one or two spots where it actually gets you something cool, like the first one, the first place you get to do it, it gets you a warp whistle, and that's about it. That's but right. it was such a mind-blowing trick. When that somebody showed you? Yeah. Yeah. It was like just a total mind blow. Like people would tell you, "Oh, you just had crouch on the block for a few seconds," and it's such a stupid mechanic. You're like, "No, I don't believe that." Of course, I don't believe that. And then you either try it yourself or someone shows you, and all of a sudden, you fall through the block and you run to the end of the stage, and you got a warp whistle. Blake, real talk. Like, I almost oh, got yeah. in my first fight in grade school arguing with somebody over this because I didn't believe it. <laughs> Somebody's telling me about a school, and I called them. I called them out on their bullshit. And I totally got proven wrong, and I felt like the biggest dumbass. Because it didn't sound real. Like He was like, yeah, you just crouch, and then you walk behind the level. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, that sounds legitimate. Like, Yeah, exactly. It's so, like, it's so it's, I remember being told it, and I was like, that's stupid. That yeah. doesn't work. That's not video games. Yeah. Did, did either of you guys, was your first exposure to, uh, to, to Mario 3 via um, the Wizard? The Wizard? No, I don't think I saw the Wizard as a kid. What's the wizard? Oh, man. It was a movie with Fred Savage. Oh. It's where the phrase, um, the power glove, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. It really became a thing. I played it way before I saw that. That was Savage. like in, in The Wizard, that movie, that was where they like revealed Mar- like, like Mario 3 didn't exist until The Wizard came out. And then in, in The Wizard, Mario 3 is in The Wizard. And that's like how everybody it learned that it was basically a hype movie yeah. for Mario 3. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like about this kid. It was, it was basically like. About a kid who plays like Mario as an esport, like yeah, it's, as, awesome. it's like a speedrun type. Sorry, what's thing. an esport, sir? I don't, I don't know his term. He got fifty thousand points on the first level of Double Dragon. <laughs> oh man, I remember that. Oh god, that I had forgotten about that. I can picture that guy's face just because you did the voice so well. <laughs> oh man, what an uh, amazing movie. Yeah, and of course, another of the cheats, the big cheat that was featured in the movie was flying over the top of the first fortress. Oh, the, the, the tank yeah. level? Yeah. Fuck that level. Save your P-Wing for that shit. Zone. Yeah. I always save my P-Wing for that shit. It's so bad. <laughs> bad. <laughs> oh, man, okay. Awesome. All right. awesome. Um, Robert? Robert. All right, so number two. Number two. I had a hard time uh, deciding between my first and second one, which one was which. But for, for number two, I'm going to go with uh, NBA Jam. <laughs> what? Pretty much any... Oh, okay, that's a good answer. Yeah, that's a great one. So, pr- so pretty much... I'm mad that I didn't think of that. I was trying to think of something like this, too. This, this, this was like what first came to my mind. This is the first game that came to my mind when we decided to do cheats. Oh, God, I am. Um, so, so, so pretty much any of the secret character cheats in NBA Jam, but... My my, the the a few specific ones that I'll pick out that were my favorites were so so an NBA Jam probably I guess most of our listeners are familiar with it but it's like a two on two basketball game very arcadey style it came out in the arcade when like arcades were still a thing 
And it was like before it was way before it came out on consoles. So like NBA Jam was a hugely popular uh, basketball arcade game. It's just two on two basketball where you can do all sorts of crazy stuff like break the backboard and you know all this shit. Um, and like when it when it finally came out on Super Nintendo, like the reason it did so well on Super Nintendo was because it was so famous f- as being an arcade game. Uh, much like you don't like obviously that that doesn't happen anymore. It was like one of the last big arcade games that was kind of like this. Um, and there were tons of like secret characters that you that you could pick. So you type so you like do a certain like type in certain initials for your initials when you start the game. You could get like uh, like eventually they had like some of the Mortal Kombat characters in there. My favorite secret characters were Al Gore, uh, Bill Clinton, and. Air Dog. Oh, my God. Was okay, not if you didn't say Clinton, I was going to call you a fraud. So, <laughs> good job. Air Dog was not actually a dog. Um, Air Dog was just randomly, it was just like a like 13-year-old kid. It was just like this 13-year-old boy. And he just, like, he could dunk really well. And that was all, That was, for some reason, his name was Air Dog. And it was just so random that, like, that it, that it always stood out to me. So Al Gore, Bill, but Al Gore and Bill Clinton, just because that's so bizarre, and then Air Dog, I guess also because he was so bizarre because it was just so ridiculous and random. Uh, but again, NBA Jam definitely known for like all of its cheats and, and like a lot of the developers, you could type in a code to like play like developers of the game. But these are these are the ones that were most notable for me. God, you picked that was a great pick. You have redeemed yourself. Awesome answer, yeah. yeah. I was trying to think of a game like that so hard, no joke. I knew there was games where they had those funny-ass cheats in them. Yeah, of course there was Big Head Mode. Is the yeah, I was thinking, oh, God, Big yeah. Head Mode, yeah, yeah. And then, like, Turok had that, ooh, you know what? I, I'm not going to say the answer, just in case someone else says it. Says it. I don't want to spoil this. I don't game. think I did. My, yeah, I couldn't think of any ones like that. Alright, so what's your what's your second one, Jay? Uh, my second one will be, this is kind of like across the board, kind of like you were talking about the, the glitches with the Sega system, was, was the secrets or like the passcodes that, that regular Nintendo did. This was back before you could save games, and in particular, I wanted to focus on Punch-Out, because Punch-Out was like the hardest mm-hmm. game in my entire existence. Yep. But essentially, when you got to a certain point in the game, they would give you a string of letters that was like 28 characters long, and you had to write them all down, lowercase capital. They had ampersands and freaking symbol, numbers and symbols. Yeah, there was like a little symbol. jizz sign so for one stupid. of them. Yeah, you had to have exactly <laughs> how it was. But it was really cool for the time, because you couldn't save and use these passcodes, and you were able to get through to certain levels, and obviously somebody could just give you to go to the last boss if you. I mean, technically, I guess that. Yeah, good luck beating him, though. Yeah, exactly. If you had, yeah, exactly. Did you see? The, so I, I focusing on on uh, Punch Out. Somebody beat the last boss in Punch Out, the original one, before they changed the name of it, blindfolded. Yep. <laughs> Damn. They did it at the AGDQ. Yeah, I was they, like, no, they tried at AGDQ. But then uh, he did it on his own stream. Yeah, exactly. I saw him uh, do talk about Sinister One. Yeah, it was so cool. Off, awesome guy. Really cool streamer in general. And yeah, he Pete uh, Bison or Bison. What? Mike Tyson. Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson. What was he called in the Mister? Dr- was it Mister Dream in the, in the remake? Yeah. Yeah, Mister Dream. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which the remake of that game was actually really good for Wii, by the way. For anybody who's a really big Punch-Out fan who hasn't tried the new one, it's really good, actually. I really enjoyed it. I've heard the Wii one was actually really good, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. You could either do it with where you hold the remotes and punch and block and shit, or you could just yeah. use the controller. Either one. I really enjoyed both of them. Cool. Cool. 
All right, Blake, number one favorite cheat code. Oh, man. All right, so I don't think either of you guys are going to use this. And hopefully, uh, if I'm an ass and ruining it for you, um, I apologize in advance. I actually have one more even after this that I'll touch on, just give it a shout-out. But talking about the big head mode and all that stuff reminded me of a little N64 game with some great cheats and great secrets and stupid stuff. Uh, a little game by the name of uh, Goldeneye. You guys ever heard of it? Oh, uh, yeah. Never played yeah. it, sorry. This, this was, I, this was in, <laughs> in the running for my top. I actually thought about using it, actually. No joke. Really? I oh, man. Like, as soon as we ta- started talking about the big head mode and stuff and all that, I was like, ah, that could have made the list pretty easily. That's a good one. That, that's a game just filled with cheat stuff that you unlock. So it's not exactly a cheat, but it kind of is. Right. Yeah. Um, so what are, and then your my actual so- favorite, my personal favorite code and cheat secret thing of all time. Um, I always come back to it. I love this game and I love this cheat. There's actually multiple cheats in the game. Um, Shining Force 2. It has a configuration mode and like a battle select code and all this other stuff. It's so cool. The configuration code, what it lets you do is it lets you turn on turbo mode, and it has a couple other special things associated with it, I think. Um, But the big code, the reason I love the configuration mode, is that it allows you to control the enemies in battle. This is a really, really cool thing that lets you check out, like, what the enemies are capable of. Um, It lets you, if you really feel like it, it lets you get through the game without any opposition whatsoever. You control literally every single enemy you will ever fight. The last boss, the giant bosses, all of them. And I just loved it as a kid. I thought that was so much fun. It made uh, grinding really easy. Uh, Subsequent playthroughs were a lot easier with it. And it is pretty much my favorite code. (laughs) Awesome. So much fun. I gotta ask you, out of the GoldenEye cheats, which one was your favorite? Oh, which which stand out to you? Um, probably invisibility for the single player oh, I experience. About that one. Yeah, it's a really good one because the the enemies don't know you're there. You walk up, you smack them, and they're like, "What was that noise?" That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a different game, but cool. Well, the only one I really remember it was I remember there being tons, but or you know, I get a lot of them. The only one that I really specifically remember is paintball mood. Oh, yeah, paintball. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Very nice. Finish my me top, off, Robert. My top favorite cheat. And this, is, this, is, and this actually isn't a cheat, really. It's just a, like a hidden part of the game. It's a secret. Uh, it, it, it might sound a little bit weak, <clears throat> but at the time, it goes back to like the way like cheats and, and hidden parts of games used to be in games before the internet where you had to get all the stuff either from, like, magazines or from your friends who knew it. Like, re- referring back again to NBA Jam, like, I remember I got, like, in a serious, or, or like, a seri- like, not an actual fist fight, but, like, a serious fight with Heated one of my friends discussion. at one point. Like, because he knew the code for, like, George Clinton or something like that on NBA Jam, and he wouldn't tell me what it was. And so, like... Because like th- th- things like this were just like a big deal back then because you had very limited means of finding them out, um, and so this kind of this is the reason this one I like so much is just because of the whole way that this that things like this were back then, 
Mine is uh, Fighting Reptile in uh, oh, Mortal Kombat no. 1. <laughs> so, Reptile... You what? That's another good one. Yeah, so... And you couldn't even play as Reptile. There was no way to actually play as him. The secret was simply just to play against him. And so, like, back then with, with you know... What, what would happen was, with, with Mortal Kombat originally being an arcade game... You had, you know, very limited opportunity to actually play the game. You had also limited opportunity to actually find out how to play against Reptile. So, like, this whole sort of, like, mythical, like, thing sort of surrounded the fact that, like, you would hear about this character that you could play against, and he was, like, the secret guy that you could only get a certain way, or you could only find him a certain way. And he was just like, uh, he looks just like Sub-Zero and Scorpion, except he's green, and his name's Reptile, and he can spit acid on you, and he's super hard. And, like, you just hear all these, like, rumors, like, you know, half true, half of them true, probably half of them false, you know, the stuff that you'd, he- that you'd hear about this secret character that was so hard, but if you did just the right stuff, that you could play against him. Uh, and so, it kind of like, just, just that whole aspect of there's this being this hidden character that you, that there's a good chance you might not ever get to play, um given the nature of, of Mortal Kombat being an arcade game, that really made this kind of like a cool thing and a big deal. And you like play him in the spike pit even, you don't even play him on like a normal level. Uh, so the way, and I believe this was the way on the arcade game too, uh, as well as when, it, when, it, when Mortal Kombat eventually came out on like uh, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, uh, the way you actually got to play against Reptile is... is it was difficult, but it's it's pretty straightforward. What you do is you're on the the pit stage of Mortal Kombat, where you can, as your finishing move, knock him into the pit. You have to, um, if and the, on the arcade game, this only happens if you can see like some sort of apparition or something floating, like a little shadow floating in front of the moon or something like that. And if you didn't see that on the level this time when you're playing it, then you then no matter what you did, you couldn't get to Reptile. But if you were on the pit stage and you saw this, whatever it was, floating in front of the moon, if you beat the uh, a computer-controlled opponent uh, double flawlessly without blocking, and you did your fatality, then you got to play against Reptile. Uh, and that's that's all there was to it. If you, if you did this really, you know, not un- unreasonably hard, but still very hard feat, then you got to play against this special character that people rarely would get to see at the time. Uh, and that just, that just to me, the, all that was really cool. So passionate. So much passion. So much passion. One thing I forgot to mention about my code, and another one of the reasons I really liked it in retrospect, is that the code itself is actually a reference to, I think, the classic code, uh, one that we have to mention here, the classic yeah. cheat, the Konami code. I'm surprised um, this hasn't come up yet. Uh, yeah, I know. I meant to actually touch on it earlier, especially when I got to my Shining Force code. Um, for configuration mode, to activate it, um, the code is up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, up, right, down, left, up, B, which is a take on the original Konami code, which I'm sure everyone is pretty familiar with. And I always really liked that. I thought that was a cool little nod to kind of the original cheat code. Yeah. The, and, and, well, the original... To me, yeah, that, that's like the original... That, that really gets the reputation as being the, the original cheat code. To me, there are there, others, but I mean, that's... 
the big one. The one that's always stood out to me, and this is, and I never, I didn't play Contra that much, but the one that's always stood out to me is the one to like continue in Mario. Yeah, that's the one I was going to mention too, actually. Okay. It obviously predates Contra, but right. doesn't get as much. But probably because it's less obscure. It's not as awkward and, oh, hey, you have to do all this special crazy stuff to get it to activate. It's just, hold this button and do this. Right, right, exactly. It doesn't have, like, Contra, you could be like, hey, remember this? Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right. And, like, everybody remembers that sequence, but, like, Mario, you can't, like, be like, hey, remember this? A. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jay, what's your, what's your favorite? What's your number one? All right, so mine is actually from Grand Theft Auto 3. Um, um, there were a lot of really fun cheats in this game, but my favorite one was... So, basically, in the game, if you guys ever played Flight Simulator when you are in high school, I had to for one of my classes. Um, Flight Simulator was this game where you had to fly a plane successfully, and it was actually challenging. Yeah. There was some like mechanics to it that were kind of cool. Well, they actually implemented that in Grand Theft Auto 3. You had to take off properly. Well, the cheat code, what it allowed you to do is to do that but with a tank. And the fun part about it was... Oh, yeah! Because yeah. <laughs> the tank only went so fast, in order to get momentum, you had to turn your turret backwards and shoot over and over and over, and it would propel you over and over and over. And then finally you take off, and you're a freaking flying tank, so you like, hovering like a tank, like you're flying, and... But here's the best part, you could still use your turret. <laughs> so you can just unload on people down below. And my, my favorite part about this whole cheat was... Coming in for landing, because no matter what you hit, if it was destructible, it died. If you hit a car, it's gone. If you hit a person, they're erased. If you oh, hit, really? Yeah, oh, it was just like... It, and not because not like it was like buggy or anything. It's just the tanks do so much damage that it just instantly destroyed anything. Yeah, that's just how tanks work yeah. in that game. Uh, I remember I did that for hours. I used to just like fly around as a tank and just bombard people. Because there's nothing anybody can do. None, none of the vehicles <laughs> the police have can handle a flying tank. That's awesome. It was good times. Good that, that kind my of... favorite GTA 3 code was the one that made all the civilians fight each other. Yeah. They did a good job. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. I, one of my, that reminds me, one of the fun things I used to like to do in uh, San Andreas mm -hmm. was uh, steal, like, one of the World War II planes. Or, like, not, I don't even, actually, yeah, I don't think it was World It was, like, maybe it was World War II, or it was, like, like some sort of, like, basically, like, a crop duster that had, like, a machine gun on it. Mm -hmm. And, it, and if you got the military after you, they would send, like, F-16s after you, but they were really, they were, the AI really sucked on them. <laughs> so you would be, like, this World War II plane shooting F-16s out of the sky, <laughs> which was just kind of funny. Um, I, but <laughs> you say the thing about, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you're going to have a peek into how nerdy I was as a child. Oh, God. Uh, flight simulator, so oh, yeah. we, had, we had flight simulator. Who knows why, because, like, it was fun. It was hard. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Um, but I would, when I was little, we had a flight simulator, and I would, I would play it, and I would pretend that my house was turning into an airplane, and that I was like flying my house around the neighborhood. Oh <laughs> my! Stop, just, just stop there. Nerd. Just stop there. All right, we're moving forward. That's all. Okay, yeah, that's all there was, anyways. All right. Cool. As okay. A final shout out for the secrets. I, I, uh, I have to say. Giant shout out and much love to the Game Shark. Oh, yeah, I was thinking Game Shark and Game Genie. Oh, yeah. my God, those days, Rip man. In peace. What made me really think of that was when we were talking about earlier um, cheat codes being gone yeah. because of technology. 
and things like Game Genie and Game Shark don't exist anymore yeah. because syst- systems are always online now. There's achievements and stuff, and online play is a huge thing for consoles. So you can't allow people to have fun with the single player experience and stuff. And I miss it. I mean, the Game Shark is a very big part of why I spent as much time on Final Fantasy Tactics as I did. Because what ended up happening with me, there was basically a giant ROM dump of all the info out from the game. Someone just put it up on a website and was like, I don't really know what all this stuff means. If someone else wants to look through it, (laughs) go ahead. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like fun. So I ended up using the Game Shark and Final Fantasy Tactics to find out how to... Literally, you can create your own job class. You can create your own equipment. I didn't you know that. Color cool. different well, equipment cool. in all sorts of ways and stuff. And I was like the number one person behind finding out most of that stuff <laughs> way, way back when. Sweet. Did, did, and did, I, did, I miss it. I miss. I the do see. There, there's a lot of stuff I missed from that time. <clears throat> I never owned a game genie. I know that's not what you were talking about, but I like. Well, they're the same game. idea. Yeah, same concept. I never owned any of those, but I, yeah, those were, I definitely used them at friends' houses and stuff. <laughs> I remember, actually, I before I even started with Final Fantasy Tactics, I screwed around with the Game Genie. I had um, Sonic 1 and my Genesis Game Genie, and I threw it in there, and I was like, what if I modify one of the digits in this code that's from the official Game Genie book? Like, I looked at their, their codes, and it was like, this one lets you jump two feet higher. This one lets you jump ten feet higher. And I was like, all they did was like modify one or two digits there. What if I do that? And I did it. And I ended up making a code that let me jump into the air for two minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty good. Alright, Jay, any um, uh, off-topic happy for you? It. Um... Honestly, I just want EA to burn in hell. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> they just ruined They just took another game from our childhood and just ruined it. And I, I really... I, it, it makes me sad that all these companies keep freaking selling their rights and stuff like that. Like, Bullfrog is one of my favorite companies of all time. And their name's just getting slandered. Ugh, so brutal. Well, they were... And, but to be fair, they were bought a long time ago. Right? I know, but, it, but it's not like... I mean, they pretty much released majority of their good products before they got bought. That's the thing. Like, they only had, like, five really good games, and they were all made before they got bought. Yeah. Sad days. It's a shame. That's all I got. All right. I'll wrap things up. I have two just quick ones. Um, one, uh, okay, the first one is my uh, audio quality has been kind of bad the last couple of issues, or the last couple of episodes. I think it'll hopefully be better next time around because I'm uh, – working on building a new PC and hopefully one that's not going to have audio buzzing. The reason my audio has been bad the last couple episodes is because I've been calling in from my iPad. So hopefully that'll get taken care of. I sound kind of like I'm talking on a telephone. You sound good right now. You sounded good this whole call, actually. Well, that's good. But you, well, on the recording so far when I listen to it, like you guys sound pretty good and I sound like I'm on a telephone. Hopefully that'll be better next time. Yeah. Um, my, my other shout-out is to check out a game called Sanctuary. Uh, this just came out, like, I guess three or four weeks ago. It, I think technically it's still in beta. But um, it's, an, it's an RPG. It's, uh, it's pay what you want. You can download it for free if you don't want to pay anything. Uh, the, I, the, the, the website for the game is sanctuaryrpg.com. <clears throat> and this is a... Blake, have you heard much about this? 
Oh, I, was I know the I'm name. Curious. All I, I know I've heard the name, but that's it. I haven't heard any more about it. So it's it's a it's an RPG in in like super old school ASCII graphics ASCII? style. So, yeah, like the ASCII. So it just uses uh, ASCII text to like like actually you know like characters and, and letters to to like display the images on the screen. And a lot of it's just text, but they will like draw draw you know uh, a character or like a monster with the text. Uh, and it's it's roguelike. Well, it's you have the option of doing roguelike where when you die you start over, or or you can do it where that doesn't happen. But if you die, but every time you die, your loot that you get from like beating monsters decreases by ten percent. So uh, it's it's a really like nice throwback game, but it's also a pretty fun game. It's just also like just a pretty f- straight up fun RPG, where um, it's it's got a nice combination of the 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 battles actually being like fun, and you have to give them some thought, like whether you're going to try to like parry or do like a really hard blow or like reposition yourself in the battle, and it's all just like you press one or two or three or four basically. Uh, but it's also really quirky. Like sometimes you'll come upon like an event where. Basically, like you, where, where, like you find an object and it gives you like an option, like of what you want to do with it. On my very first playthrough, I uh, I came upon a syringe. <laughs> oh gosh! And it said, like, do you want to inject yourself with it or walk on? And of oh, course, I was curious. Game. So I injected myself with it and I immediately died. Yeah, I was telling Lisa to play this game. Yeah, and then another one. It said, like, you come upon, like, it was like a. Uh, a seedling, or like just like a little spot of grass, or it was like a little, it was like a seed or something like that, or like a little sprout of something. What do you want to do? And my options were to like to step on it, or just to like keep going and walk away, or I could start crying. And I chose to start crying, and my tears watered it and caused a potato to grow out of it, and the potato gave me some armor that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so. Sanctuary again. You can find it at sanctuaryrpg.com. Go check it out. Uh, I, I it, it's a it's a fun little game. And I think that's all. I think that's all we got for this time. As always, please remember to check us out at uh, classicgamingpodcast.com. Please send us your emails at uh, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Tell us what you think about the games we've talked about. If you have a game you want to request us to play, uh, send that. Just just send us anything, and we'll read it. Um, check out our, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Class Gamescast. Follow me on Twitter. I'm, uh, King Octavius. Blake is Slackaholicus. And Jay is a Luddite. Uh, and doesn't use Twitter. That's it for this episode, guys. We'll see you in two weeks.